Chapter One of The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit as Revealed in the Scriptures and in Personal Experience by R. A. Torrey. Chapter One The Personality of the Holy Spirit before one can correctly understand the work of the holy spirit he must first of all know the spirit himself a frequent source of error and fanaticism about the work of the holy spirit is the attempt to study and understand his work without first of all coming to know him as a person it is of the highest importance from the standpoint of worship that we decide whether the holy spirit is a divine person worthy to receive our adoration our faith our love and our entire surrender to himself or whether it is simply an influence emanating from god or a power or an illumination that god imparts to us if the holy spirit is a person and a divine person and we do not know him as such then we are robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself which are his due it is also of the highest importance from the practical standpoint that we decide whether the holy spirit is merely some mysterious and wonderful power that we in our weakness and ignorance are somehow to get hold of and use or whether the holy spirit is a real person infinitely holy infinitely wise infinitely mighty and infinitely tender who is to get hold of and use us the former conception is utterly heathenish not essentially different from the thought of the african fetish worshipper who has his god whom he uses the latter conception is sublime and christian if we think of the holy spirit as so many do as merely a power or influence our constant thought will be how can i get more of the holy spirit but if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person our thought will rather be how can the holy spirit have more of me the conception of the holy spirit as a divine influence or power that we are somehow to get hold of and use leads to self-exaltation and self-sufficiency one who so thinks of the holy spirit and who at the same time imagines that he has received the holy spirit will almost inevitably be full of spiritual pride and strut about as if he belonged to some superior order of christians one frequently hears such persons say i am a holy ghost man or i am a holy ghost woman but if we once grasp the thought that the holy spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty glory and holiness and power who in marvellous condescension has come into our hearts to make his abode there and take possession of our lives and make use of them it will put us in the dust and keep us in the dust i can think of no thought more humbling or more overwhelming than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me it is of the highest importance from the standpoint of experience that we know the holy spirit as a person thousands and tens of thousands of men and women can testify to the blessing that has come into their own lives as they have come to know the holy spirit not merely as a gracious influence emanating it is true from god but as a real person just as real as jesus christ himself an ever-present 
loving friend and mighty helper who is not only always by their side but dwells in their heart every day and every hour and who is ready to undertake for them in every emergency of life thousands of ministers christian workers and christians in the humblest spheres of life have spoken to me or written to me of the complete transformation of their christian experience that came to them when they grasped the thought not merely in a theological but in an experimental way that the holy spirit was a person and consequently came to know him there are at least four distinct lines of proof in the bible that the holy spirit is a person one all the distinctive characteristics of personality are ascribed to the holy spirit in the bible what are the distinctive characteristics or marks of personality knowledge feeling or emotion and will any entity that thinks and feels and wills is a person when we say that the holy spirit is a person there are those who understand us to mean that the holy spirit has hands and feet and eyes and ears and mouth and so on but these are not the characteristics of personality but of corporality all of these characteristics or marks of personality are repeatedly ascribed to the holy spirit in the old and new testaments we read in first corinthians chapter two verse ten and eleven but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of god for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god here knowledge is ascribed to the holy spirit we are clearly taught that the holy spirit is not merely an influence that illuminates our minds to comprehend the truth but a being who himself knows the truth in first corinthians chapter twelve verse eleven we read but all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will here will is ascribed to the spirit and we are taught that the holy spirit is not a power that we get hold of and use according to our own will but a person of sovereign majesty who uses us according to his will this distinction is of fundamental importance in our getting into right relations with the holy spirit it is at this very point that many honest seekers after power and efficiency in service go astray they are reaching out after and struggling to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power that they can make use of it in their work according to their own will they will never get possession of the power they seek until they come to recognize that there is not some divine power for them to get hold of and use in their blindness and ignorance but that there is a person infinitely wise as well as infinitely mighty who is willing to take possession of them and use them according to his own perfect will when we stop to think of it we must rejoice that there is no divine power that being so ignorant as we are so liable to err to get hold of and use how appalling might be the results if there were but what a holy joy must come into our hearts when we grasp the thought that there is a divine person one who never errs who is willing to take possession of us and impart to us such gifts as he sees best and to use us according to his wise and loving will we read in romans chapter 8 verse 27 and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god in this passage mind is ascribed to the holy spirit the greek word translated mind is a comprehensive word 
including the ideas of thought feeling and purpose it is the same that is used in romans chapter eight verse seven where we read that the carnal mind is enmity against god for it is not subject to the law of god neither indeed can be so then in this passage we have all the distinctive marks of personality ascribed to the holy spirit we find the personality of the holy spirit brought out in a most touching and suggestive way in romans chapter fifteen verse thirty now i beseech you brethren for the lord jesus christ's sake and for the love of the spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to god for me here we have love ascribed to the holy spirit the reader would do well to stop and ponder these five words the love of the spirit we dwell often upon the love of god the father it is the subject of our daily and constant thought we dwell often upon the love of jesus christ the son who would think of calling himself a christian who passed a day without meditating on the love of his saviour but how often have we meditated upon the love of the spirit each day of our lives if we are living as christians ought we kneel down in the presence of god the father and look up into his face and say i thank thee father for thy great love that led thee to give thine only begotten son to die upon the cross of calvary for me each day of our lives we also look up into the face of our lord and saviour jesus christ and say o oh, thou glorious lord and saviour jesus thou son of god i thank thee for thy great love that led thee not to count it a thing to be grasped to be on equality with god but to empty thyself and forsaking all the glory of heaven come down to earth with all its shame and to take my sins upon thyself and die in my place upon the cross of calvary but how often do we kneel and say to the holy spirit o oh, thou eternal and infinite spirit of god i thank thee for thy great love that led thee to come into this world of sin and darkness and to seek me out and to follow me so patiently until thou didst bring me to see my utter ruin and need of a saviour and to reveal to me my lord and saviour jesus christ as just the saviour whom i need yet we owe our salvation just as truly to the love of the spirit as we do to the love of the father and the love of the son if it had not been for the love of god the father looking down upon me in my utter ruin and providing a perfect atonement for me in the death of his own son on the cross of calvary i would have been in hell to-day if it had not been for the love of jesus christ the eternal word of god looking upon me in my utter ruin and in obedience to the father putting aside all the glory of heaven for all the shame of earth and taking my place the place of the curse upon the cross of calvary and pouring out his life utterly for me i would have been in hell to-day but if it had not been for the love of the holy spirit sent by the father in answer to the prayer of the son john chapter fourteen verse sixteen leading him to seek me out in my utter blindness and ruin and to follow me day after day week after week and year after year while i persistently turned a deaf ear to his pleadings following me through paths of sin where it must have been agony for that holy one to go until at last i listened and he opened my eyes to see my utter ruin and then revealed jesus to me as the saviour that would meet my every need and then enabled me to receive jesus as my own saviour if it had not been for this patient long-suffering never tiring infinitely tender love of the holy spirit i would have been in hell to-day 
oh the holy spirit is not merely an influence or a power or an illumination but is a person just as real as god the father or jesus christ his son the personality of the holy spirit comes out in the old testament as truly as in the new for we read in nehemiah chapter nine verse twenty thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gavest them water for thy thirst here both intelligence and goodness are ascribed to the holy spirit there are some who tell us that while it is true the personality of the holy spirit is found in the new testament it is not found in the old but it is certainly found in this passage as a matter of course the doctrine of the personality of the holy spirit is not as fully developed in the old testament as in the new but the doctrine is there there is perhaps no passage in the entire bible in which the personality of the holy spirit comes out more tenderly and touchingly than in ephesians chapter four verse thirty and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption here grief is ascribed to the holy spirit the holy spirit is not a blind impersonal influence or power that comes into our lives to illuminate sanctify and empower them no he is immeasurably more than that he is a holy person who comes to dwell in our hearts one who sees clearly every act we perform every word we speak every thought we entertain even the most fleeting fancy that is allowed to pass through our minds and if there is anything in act or word or deed that is impure unholy unkind selfish mean petty or untrue this infinitely holy one is deeply grieved by it i know of no thought that will help one more than this to lead a holy life and to walk softly in the presence of the holy one how often a young man is kept back from yielding to the temptations that surround young manhood by the thought that if he should yield to the temptation that now assails him his holy mother might hear of it and would be grieved by it beyond expression how often some young man has had his hand upon the door of some place of sin that he is about to enter and the thought has come to him if i should enter there my mother might hear of it and it would nearly kill her and he has turned his back upon that door and gone away to lead a pure life that he might not grieve his mother but there is one who is holier than any mother one who is more sensitive against sin than the purest woman who ever walked this earth and who loves us even as no mother ever loved and this one dwells in our hearts if we are really christians and he sees every act we do by day or under cover of night he hears every word we utter in public or in private he sees every thought we entertain he beholds every fancy and imagination that is permitted even a momentary lodgment in our mind and if there is anything unholy impure selfish mean petty unkind harsh unjust or in any wise evil in act or word or thought or fancy he is grieved by it if we will allow those words grieve not the holy spirit of god to sink into our hearts and become the motto of our lives they will keep us from many a sin how often some thought or fancy has knocked for an entrance into my own mind and was about to find entertainment when the thought has come the holy spirit sees that thought and will be grieved by it and that thought has gone two many acts that only a person can perform are ascribed to the holy spirit if we deny the personality of the holy spirit many passages of scripture become meaningless and absurd for example we read in first corinthians chapter two verse ten 
but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of god this passage sets before us the holy spirit not merely as an illumination whereby we are enabled to grasp the deep things of god but a person who himself searches the deep things of god and then reveals to us the precious discoveries which he has made we read in revelation chapter 2 verse 7 he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god here the holy spirit is set before us not merely as an impersonal enlightenment that comes to our mind but a person who speaks and out of the depths of his own wisdom whispers into the ear of his listening servant the precious truth of god in galatians chapter 4 verse 6 we read and because ye are sons god hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying abba father here the holy spirit is represented as crying out in the heart of the individual believer not merely a divine influence producing in our own hearts the assurance of our sonship but one who cries out in our hearts who bears witness together with our spirit that we are sons of god see also romans chapter 8 verse 16 the holy spirit is also represented in the scripture as one who prays we read in romans chapter 8 verse 26 revised version and in like manner the spirit also helpeth our infirmity for we know not how to pray as we ought but the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered it is plain from this passage that the holy spirit is not merely an influence that moves us to pray not merely an illumination that teaches us how to pray but a person who himself prays in and through us there is wondrous comfort in the thought that every true believer has two divine persons praying for him jesus christ the son who was once upon this earth who knows all about our temptations who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities and who is now ascended to the right hand of the father and in that place of authority and power ever lives to make intercession for us hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 1 john chapter 2 verse 1 and another person just as divine as he who walks by our side each day yes who dwells in the innermost depths of our being and knows our needs even as we do not know them ourselves and from these depths makes intercession to the father for us the position of the believer is indeed one of perfect security with these two divine persons praying for him we read again in john chapter 15 verse 26 but when the comforter is come whom i will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me here the holy spirit is set before us as a person who gives his testimony to jesus christ not merely as an illumination that enables the believer to testify of christ but a person who himself testifies and a clear distinction is drawn in this and the following verse between the testimony of the holy spirit and the testimony of the believers to whom he has borne his witness for we read in the next verse and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning so there are two witnesses the holy spirit bearing witness to the believer and the believer bearing witness to the world the holy spirit is also spoken of as a teacher we read in john chapter 16 verse 26 but the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you 
and in a similar way we read in john chapter sixteen verses twelve to fourteen i have yet many things to say unto you but ye cannot bear them now howbeit when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that he shall speak and he will show you things to come he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you and in the old testament nehemiah chapter nine verse twenty thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them in all these passages it is perfectly clear that the holy spirit is not a mere illumination that enables us to apprehend the truth but a person who comes to teach us day by day the truth of god it is the privilege of the humblest believer in jesus christ not merely to have his mind illumined to comprehend the truth of god but to have a divine teacher to daily teach him the truth he needs to know confer first john chapter two verses twenty and twenty seven the holy spirit is also represented as the leader and guide of the children of god we read in romans chapter eight verse fourteen for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god he is not merely an influence that enables us to see the way that god would have us go nor merely a power that gives us strength to go that way but a person who takes us by the hand and gently leads us on the paths in which god would have us walk the holy spirit is also represented as a person who has authority to command men in their service of jesus christ we read of the apostle paul and his companions in acts chapter sixteen verses six and seven now when they had gone throughout phrygia and the region of galatia and were forbidden of the holy ghost to preach the word in asia after they were come to mysia they essayed to go to bithynia but the spirit suffered them not here it is a person who takes the direction of the conduct of paul and his companions and a person whose authority they recognized and to whom they instantly submit further still than this the holy spirit is represented as the one who is the supreme authority in the church who calls men to work and appoints them to office we read in acts chapter thirteen verse two as they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy ghost said separate me barnabas and saul for the work whereunto i have called them and in acts chapter twenty verse twenty eight take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the holy ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of god which he hath purchased with his own blood there can be no doubt to a candid seeker after truth that it is a person and a person of divine majesty and sovereignty who is here set before us from all the passages here quoted it is evident that many acts that only a person can perform are ascribed to the holy spirit three an office is predicated of the holy spirit that can only be predicated of a person our saviour says in john chapter fourteen verses six and seven and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you for ever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you our lord had announced to the disciples that he was about to leave them an awful sense of desolation took possession of them sorrow filled their hearts john chapter sixteen verse six at the contemplation of their loneliness and absolute helplessness when jesus should thus leave them alone to comfort them the lord tells them that they shall not be left alone that in leaving them he was going to the father and that he would pray the father and he would give them another comforter to take the place of himself during his absence 
is it possible that jesus christ could have used such language if the other comforter who was coming to take his place was only an impersonal influence or power still more is it possible that jesus should have said as he did in john chapter sixteen verse seven nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you if this comforter whom he was to send was simply an impersonal influence or power no one divine person was going another person just as divine was coming to take his place and it was expedient for the disciples that the one go to represent them before the father for another just as divine and sufficient was coming to take his place this promise of our lord and saviour of the coming of the other comforter and of his abiding with us is the greatest and best of all for the present dispensation this is the promise of the father acts chapter one verse four the promise of promises we shall take it up again when we come to study the names of the holy spirit four a treatment is predicated to the holy spirit that could only be predicated of a person we read in isaiah chapter sixty three verse ten revised version but they rebelled and grieved his holy spirit therefore he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them here we are told that the holy spirit is rebelled against and grieved confer ephesians chapter four verse thirty only a person can be rebelled against and only a person of authority only a person can be grieved you cannot grieve a mere influence or power in hebrews chapter ten verse twenty nine we read of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the son of god and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace here we are told that the holy spirit is done despite unto treated with contumely thayer's greek english lexicon of the new testament there is but one kind of entity in the universe that can be treated with contumely or insulted and that is a person it is absurd to think of treating an influence or a power of any kind of being except a person with contumely we read again in acts chapter five verse three but peter said ananias why hath satan filled thine heart to lie to the holy ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land here we have the holy spirit represented as one who can be lied to one cannot lie to anything but a person in matthew chapter twelve verses thirty one and thirty two we read wherefore i say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the holy ghost shall not be forgiven unto men and whosoever speaketh a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him but whosoever speaketh against the holy ghost it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world neither in the world to come here we are told that the holy spirit is blasphemed against it is impossible to blaspheme anything but a person if the holy spirit is not a person it certainly cannot be a more serious and decisive sin to blaspheme him than it is to blaspheme the son of man our lord and saviour jesus christ himself here then we have four distinctive and decisive lines of proof that the holy spirit is a person theoretically most of us believe this but do we in our real thought of him and in our practical attitude towards him treat him as if he were indeed a person at the close of an address on the personality of the holy spirit at a bible conference some years ago one who had been a church member many years a member of one of the most orthodox of our modern denominations said to me 
I never thought of it before as a person. Doubtless, this Christian woman had often sung, Praise God from whom all blessings flow, Praise him all creatures here below, Praise him above ye heavenly host, Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Doubtless, she had often sung, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. But it is one thing to sing words, it is quite another thing to realize the meaning of what we sing. If this Christian woman had been questioned in regard to her doctrine, she would doubtless have said that she believed that there were three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But a theological confession is one thing, a practical realization of the truth we confess is quite another. So the question is altogether necessary, no matter how orthodox you may be in your creedal statements. Do you regard the Holy Spirit as indeed as real a person as Jesus Christ, as loving and wise and strong, as worthy of your confidence and love and surrender as Jesus Christ himself? The Holy Spirit came into this world to be to the disciples of our Lord after his departure, and to us, what Jesus Christ had been to them during the days of his personal companionship with them. John chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. Is he that to you? Do you know him? Every week in your life you hear the apostolic benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. But while you hear it, do you take in the significance of it? Do you know the communion of the Holy Ghost, the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, the partnership of the Holy Ghost, the comradeship of the Holy Ghost, the intimate personal friendship of the Holy Ghost? Herein lies the whole secret of a real Christian life, a life of liberty and joy and power and fullness, to have as one's ever-present friend, and to be conscious that one has, as his ever-present friend, the Holy Spirit, and to surrender one's life in all its departments entirely to his control. This is true Christian living. The doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit is as distinctive of the religion that Jesus taught as the doctrines of the deity and the atonement of Jesus Christ himself. But it is not enough to believe the doctrine. One must know the Holy Spirit himself. The whole purpose of this chapter, God help me say it reverently, is to introduce you to my friend, the Holy Spirit. End of chapter 1